You're listening to Stimulus Tech Talk, a conversation-based podcast created by Stimulus Technologies that covers a range of topics related to business and technology. Welcome to Stimulus Tech Talk. Uh, I am Nathan Whitaker, CEO of Stimulus Technologies, and we talk about all things technology on this channel. And this week, we're very excited to have our guest, Tim Fitzpatrick, and owner of Rialto Marketing. I'll just read a quick bio for you, but welcome first, Tim. Nathan, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. It's a pleasure. Um, So Tim has a passion for developing and growing businesses. He's an entrepreneur at heart with over 25 years of experience in marketing, business development, sales management, and strategic planning. Just after graduating college, Tim had the good fortune of getting involved with a wholesale distribution company, which he co-owned for nine years. And that company grew over 60% a year after being acquired or before being acquired in 2005. Uh, For him, it was an amazing experience that not only brought him a lot of business lessons, but life lessons as well. Tim started Rialto Marketing in 2012 with a vision of having positive lasting impact on the businesses they work with. And Tim teaches that there are three critical elements of marketing, strategy, planning, and leadership. And he enjoys all three. And that's what uh, focuses on with his clients. So again, welcome, Tim. Super excited to have you on. We were, I I joined your podcast uh, about a month ago or so. Yeah. And uh, we mutually agreed that uh, I'd have you on mine to get you some questions. So we're, we're switching sides of the mic, man. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it, Nathan. So thank you. Excellent. So um, anything I missed in the bio, anything that you wanted to fill in uh, hobbies yeah. or things you do outside of business that might be entertaining for our guests? Oh, gosh. Well, I on the personal side, I, I, I grew up in Northern California, but I now live in, in the Denver metro area in Colorado. So uh, I, personally, I just I love being outside. I, you know, I paddleboard, I ski, I mountain bike, uh, hiking, you know, spending time with my, my two girls. So anything outside I enjoy doing. That's yeah, certainly a beautiful area to do it, both in Northern California and in, and in Colorado. Yes. Yeah, they both are. I, Northern California was a great place to grow up. I, uh, it was just, it was getting busy for me. So I, you know, I moved to Colorado and lo and behold, Colorado's getting busy too. So uh, it, it is. It's great. It's grown so much. I was out there a couple of months ago, and it's it's amazing how much the area has grown since the last time I was out about ten years ago. So yeah, yeah, it's uh, grown tremendously. Yeah, getting into it. So you had a wholesale distribution company. What made you make the shift to uh, a marketing company? I mean, very different uh, type businesses. I would yeah. Imagine. So I'll tell you. Um, I'll give you a little bit of backstory that I think will help there. So in my distribution experience, I got involved in that because my, my dad had been a manufacturer's rep for years. And before I graduated from, from college, he had started a wholesale distribution company with another partner. It was related to the rep company. And when I, I graduated from college, I knew he needed some help and I had no idea what I wanted to do. And so I was like, Hey, let me, let me just help you out for the, for the summer. There was no full-time employees, you know, And it'll give, it'll help you. It'll give me an opportunity to figure out what I'm going to do. Well, after three months, I was hooked. And, you know, in the first six to 12 months, I learned more doing that than I did in four years of college. It was, and I was having a ton of fun. You know, I worked with my dad for over 10 years. It was an amazing experience. Um, When we sold, we both had a three-year agreement with the company that that bought us. And so I worked with the company that bought us for three years. That was in, in 2008, my contract ended. I ended up moving to Colorado with the company at that point. And in 2009, I got laid off. So we got we got bought by a public company. Most of us know what happened in 2008, 2009. It was just, yeah. yeah, 
<laughs> it was so tough for so many people. We got bought by a public company and they, you know, what do public companies manage according to the quarterly financials? And so they cut 30% of the branch locations that we had across the country. And I ended up getting downsized. I was fortunate where I wasn't worried about, you know, how I was going to make my mortgage payment the next month. So I took some time to think about what I wanted to do next, what my next, you know, stepping stone was going to be. And I had always been interested in real estate. And so I got involved in residential real estate, you know, and at the time, the opportunities in residential real estate, there were, you know, were foreclosures, short sales. So I started door knocking houses that were in foreclosure. I started doing short sale business. And Nathan, I would tell you, it was drastically different from being in the wholesale distribution business. Put me outside of my comfort zone all the time. I learned a ton, but I started waking up just going, I don't want to do this. Like I, you've heard of the Sunday evening effect, right? Where I was having the Sunday evening effect every day, waking up going, Oh my God, I got to do this all over again. So that's when I shifted into marketing. And before I shifted into marketing, I was thinking about, gosh, like, what did I love about distribution? Where are my skill sets? And that's when I got involved in marketing. That has been a winding road for me as well. It's taken me a while to really find what I love about marketing and what I'm great at, but it's dynamic and it's changing all the time. And that's one of the things I love about it. Oh, it's definitely a journey that you went through. And <laughs> I, you know, one thing that came to my mind as you were talking about is, you know, uh, there's a quote and I don't have it exactly in front of me, but it says, you know, sometimes you have to get to a very low point to really realize the direction you need to go in your life. And, uh, yes. you know, I think a lot of people, especially in that, uh, that time of the, the recession, the, the great recession, a lot of us, you know, decided what we really needed to do and what the best thing for our life was or, or yeah. should be. So, um, so, you know, talk about what, you know, what were some of the challenges of starting your marketing business? What were, you know, I'm sure you didn't have any clients or you needed to develop a client base. What, yeah. What were the challenges? I, you know, what, what I would tell you there, like starting the business itself was not a huge challenge for me because I had already started previous businesses. I think the biggest challenge for me in starting a marketing business was finding out where I fit in the space. It is a huge space. There's there are so many different things you can do within marketing. And, you know, at the time, you know, I didn't know what I didn't know. And it took me a lot of starts and stops, you know, hitting roadblocks, getting experience to really find what resonated well with me within marketing and what I really enjoyed doing. And that took me a long time. That was the biggest challenge for me, you know, because when you look at marketing, I mean, so many people are battling information overload with marketing. And, you know, when I was in distribution, this was in the mid to late nineties when I, when I initially got in, I mean, websites were informational brochures at that point, you know, Google search was in its infancy. The fundamentals of marketing were the same at that point, but the tactics were, they were not as varied and broad as they are now. And so when I got involved in marketing, it just, you know, I, I, was involved in, with mobile apps for a while. We were actually helping businesses and we were working with a lot of schools with mobile apps. That thing shifted there. I And I got involved in more marketing agency work with a strategy focus. But after a while, Nathan, I was like, man, I don't like marketing implementation work. This is not a... This is not my thing. I need to shift. And that's what I'm doing now where I focus 
primarily on, you know, the strategy, the planning and the leadership. And we bring in and, and help oversee and guide people that are doing the implementation work. But it took me a long time to really get there. Uh, you know, marketing is is a very broad category. And I feel like yes. um, as a business owner, you know, it, it sometimes feels like, you know, everybody knows about 10 or 20 real estate agents and 10 or 20 mortgage <laughs> brokers. And you go to these networking groups and, you know, you always find, you know, the 10 or 20 of those categories. And it feels like like digital marketing people, especially on the SEO front is like, yeah. you know, it's you go to networking groups and there's 10 or 20 of those now, too. So how have you yeah. been able to distinguish yourself from really the flood of, of different types of marketing and then all these people that are hanging a shingle up and saying, oh, I do digital marketing or SEO marketing? or websites or how, how are you yeah. how have you been able to distinguish yourself from all those? it's for me there's multiple things here and um and frankly this is not appropriate for <laughs> virtually any business right one is specializing right like when i was when i was doing more you know, agency type work, I was doing all kinds of things. I wasn't specializing in anything. It was more of a generalist. And, you know, like we've both touched on marketing is so broad at this point, you can't be great at everything. It's just, it's just not possible. And so, you know, specializing in what I'm great at is one way to help differentiate. But then also for me, it's really all, focusing on the process that we take people through our methodology is another way that we help differentiate. Um, there are others, but those are two of the main ones is specializing. And then what's our, what's our approach and our methodology when it comes to marketing? Those are two, two of the biggest things for me. Yeah. And I, I agree with that hundred percent, you know, as a business owner, you really have to, you know, step way back from where you're at in your business and say, okay, what, what makes us great or what do I really want to do? and then develop yeah. a plan around that because, uh, you know, you can go chase things all over the place. You know, this, uh, you know, people want to write you a check for doing something that sounds interesting, but maybe it's not what you core do. And it ends up costing you money to do that because you have to reinvent your team or send your team down different directions. So that's, you know, great realization, great, great advice. Let's talk a little bit about how we met for just because I thought it was interesting. Um, you know, you, you're positioning yourself with your podcast and we met on LinkedIn. So maybe just touch on your process of like, meeting me and, and what you do there from a digital yeah, standpoint. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so I, uh, one, I, I have been doing a podcast since early in the pandemic. Uh, you know, I, I was doing a lot of in-person speaking prior to the pandemic. Obviously that had to shift. And so I started a podcast early in the pandemic. It is something that I love doing. It's a great way to meet people. It's a great way to create content. And I love video content. So I leverage that video content into, you know, audio and, and written content. But um, I am using my podcast now as a networking tool and a way to connect with people, you know, how I connected with you, you know, I've been interviewing a lot of managed service providers and, and IT cyber consultants this year. And I use the podcast as a way to start that building that relationship. I just find it to be a, it is a much simpler way to start the relationship. And it is also a different way, right? Anybody that's listening or watching to this that is on LinkedIn knows what happens 95 
plus percent of the time when you accept a connection request from somebody, it is a pitch slap, yeah. right? Like you accept the connection <laughs> and then it's like, hey, yeah, thanks for connecting. Here's what I do. Let, you know, let's jump on a call and let me tell you how much I can do for you. Whereas the process I go about is I actually, it, de- it depends, but most of the time my connection request is actually Hey, Nathan, it looks like you might be a really great person to feature on our podcast. If this is something you're interested in, let's connect. And I just go, I'm not asking for anything. I am offering something of value. And people that connect, I then assume are interested. And then from there, it's like, hey, let's set up a quick call. We can talk about it to see whether it's a good fit. I am not trying to, you know, put a square peg in a round hole. It's just, hey, let's have continue to have this conversation, right? And you went through that process. You know, once we connected, we jumped on a pre-interview and I just talked to you about it. Like, hey, this is what I do. This is what I do with the podcast. Here's my approach. Tell me more about what you're doing and let's see if it's a good fit. And, you know, you, you ended up coming on and now I'm on your podcast. And then, you know, we just, we see where things go, right? It's just a great way to get to know people. That's a very different process than that pitch. You know, you're offering, I I like what you said, you're offering something to them rather than asking them for something. It's a lot easier conversation to start than, you know, asking for, you know, in our MSP space, we often ask, you know, people to take an assessment or, you know, do something or, you know, look at a brochure or whatever, but you're offering a, you know, something that's holding them up, you know, being a guest on a podcast means, well, I have something interesting to say and, you know, yeah. and, it, and it builds some trust, I think, before that conversation of whatever, you know, you're not doing it just for out of the um, the pleasure of your heart. You're doing it to build a network and eventually get yeah. sales. But it's it's definitely a way to, you know, build that relationship before you make an ask. And I think the other thing, uh, let's talk a little bit about authority marketing a little bit, because that's, you know, what podcasts and, you know, authorship and things like that are. So how have you used um you know, this podcast to generate more business um, outside of making those connections. Has has it brought you anything from a content standpoint? Oh, yeah, absolutely. From a content standpoint, anybody. Look, I think content creation is important for most businesses. But, you know, in the in the business to business professional service realm where, you know, I'm doing it, you're doing it, Nathan, where we're we're really selling our expertise and our, our experience, our skills. Content creation is a phenomenal way to start planting seeds and help people get to know you and build that authority and that credibility. It is a it is a long term play. Uh, you you got to do it consistently for the long haul for it to really work. But I think it is absolutely critical, you know, and so somebody that's listening to this going, gosh, you know, like I've been thinking about doing this and I've been putting it off, but I really need to do it. There are so many ways to do it. Right. So finding the way that really resonates with you and works well with you, I think, is most important. Right. You and I are doing it through podcasting. I, sh- I do a lot of video, I, a short, short form video, you know, 30, 30 seconds to 60 second video clips as well. But, you know, you can do audio, you can do video, you can do the written word, you can do all of them. Right. But if I tell somebody, hey, you got to do video and you're terrified of video, like you're never going to do it. Well, you find something else. Yeah. Yeah. Find something else like they can all work. You just have to find what resonates with you. But content, I find, drives so many of your other marketing efforts, right? Because the content you can you create can be used 
on and repurposed for social media. You can use some of that content through your email marketing efforts, right? So it's content drives a lot of your other efforts. It can fuel a lot of those other efforts, which is why I just think it is such an important element to have within your marketing plan. So how does, um, from a digital standpoint, you, you have this content, you have, you know, your podcast channels, your YouTube channels, your social media channels, maybe blogs on your website, you know, all this content you're creating. And it takes a lot of time, as you mentioned, it's not, I it mean, does. you know, my marketing manager, Sherry and I, we spend a lot of time, you know, working on content every week. How does, how do the search engines from a digital standpoint view all that content? Does it, does it just become, you know, part of a big ocean or does it really help with SEO and, and being found on the Internet? Yeah, uh, it depends on how much you focus on keyword optimizing that content. Right. But Google loves content. So and there's I mean, look, there's there's more and more of it every single day. Right. But creating content can absolutely help you rank next time you go search for something, just pay particular attention to what you put in and what's showing up in ranking. And there are certain keywords that you put in that you will find. It's not homepages for, of websites that are showing up. It's blog content. Mm. It's, it's, you know, longer form content pages on websites that are showing up. It's not homepages. And so that blog content is driving traffic to those websites. And if those pages are, are optimized appropriately and they have call, clear calls to action, they're, they're going to end up generating leads for those businesses as well. So I, I think if you think of it from a longer term play and you get the strategy outlined, you can like, look, podcast content um, can be a little bit harder to, to optimize. Right. Because it's, it's conversational. You know, it's, it's yeah, it's conversational. It's audio. But one of the things that we do is we transcribe all our podcast episodes and they're post posted on our blog. So our blog has the video embed. It's got the audio embed and then it's got the show transcription. And then we try to SEO optimize or on page optimize the, the written content to try and give it a, you know, a better chance to show up in search results. But I, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't like, I don't create my podcast episodes around SEO optimization. I create them around the actual topic itself. Um, you know, but blog content, you can certainly SEO optimize and, you know, depending on how competitive it is, uh, you know, you may show up. I mean, like, I, honestly, I have a blog post that I created years ago, this was when I was in the mobile app space around push messaging that still drives. There's a ton of traffic that comes to my website from that. It's not hyper relevant to what I do now. But, you know, with content, I think you, most people will find that it's the 80 20 rule, right? Like 20 percent of the content you create is going to drive 80 percent of the traffic to your site. You know, you just yeah. don't know which which 20 percent. Exactly. <laughs> you, you don't know. Right. You don't yeah. know until you actually create it. You put it out there and you give it time to, to work and do its thing. But once you know, well, then you can further optimize that. Right. You can start to make tweaks around it. But again, this is why it's such a long term play. It's something you got to be committed to and you just got to do over and over again. So if I was, you know, we have a lot of clients in the professional services space, you know, CPAs, uh, lawyers, 
um, healthcare services, should they just like start blogging, just start writing, you know, brain dump, or is you know, is there something they should do beforehand before creating all this content? Yeah. So uh, this comes back to strategy, right? Strategy first. Like one of the biggest mistakes I see businesses make with marketing is they jump right into the tactics without really thinking about the strategy behind it and what their plan is. And when we do that, what we're really doing is throwing spaghetti up against a wall, hoping something sticks. And that really never works very well. What ends up happening is people end up in the boat, which there's plenty of people in this boat where they're like six months down the road, 12 months, 18 months. And they're like, Jesus, we just we just spent a bunch of money and nothing happened. It's because you put the cart before the horse, right? When I think about strategy, I think about it like fuel. When I think of the tactics and the marketing channels, I think about them like vehicles. So if you just jump to tactics, you have vehicles, but you have no fuel. It's never going to work long term, right? So we got we to gotta put the strategy in place so that we've got the fuel and then we can pick the vehicles. When, we talk, when I talk about strategy, I'm talking about like if we're thinking about content creation, from a strategic standpoint, we need to under really understand who our ideal clients are, who are those people we want to work with and we want to attract, and what is important to them. And when we can understand what's important to them, what topics are important to them throughout the buyer journey, right? Because when we look at content, what's important to somebody, let's just take the, um, the dental space space, right? And I'm not an expert in the dental space, but let's just take the dental space. Somebody when they're, what things are they looking at? I have a toothache, right? I need to, I, I need to actually find a dentist, right? Like what's, what should I look for in a dentist? Those are, those are, that person is at two different places in the customer journey, right? I have a toothache is very in the very beginning of the customer journey, right? Early on, at some point, right? Because it's like, I have a problem and I need it solved. Once I realize I've got the problem, then I'm, then I'm starting to look at, okay, wh- how do I find a dentist, right? What do I look for in a dentist? So we need to look at when we understand our ideal clients and the various things that are important to them as they work through the customer journey, that helps define and dictate what content we're going to create, and we need to create content that's going to meet them at all of those various places. So, but if we just jump into content, we don't really understand who our ideal clients are. We, you know, we just throw various content topics out and it's like, well, it may or may not work. It, it may or may not work. Right. Yeah. Or it, let's take blog. If you're going to create blog content, a lot of people start creating blog content They get topics, but they don't really think about like, what is all this content going to do for me from a larger from a larger content perspective? You know, so one of the things that we always think about and we talk to clients about is if you're going to do blog content, can you create it with the end in mind where you when you're done, you've got a huge guide, right? The ultimate guide to whatever dental care or, you know, or everything you need to know about dental care, everything you need to know about the ultimate guide to lead generation. There's all kinds of various topics there. I can start creating content. And at the end of a year or two years, I've got all these blog posts, but then I've got this hub page or a pillar page that I can create as a guide that then links out to all of those content page, those blog posts. There's a lot of strategy, I think, that needs to go behind your content creation before you just jump into it. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So 
in in um, kind of leading on this in the webinars I do, I do webinars uh, once a month also. And, you know, I detail out a lot of stuff, you know, especially in the cybersecurity world. And, and I always have a slide in there towards the end that says this is hard. And, you know, a business owner that's sitting in this conversation, you know, that's never done any digital marketing, never produced any content, you know, maybe outsources a little bit to a friend to do their website might feel overwhelmed by this conversation. They think to themselves, yeah. there's no way that I can do all this strategy and produce all this content and run my business. So, you know, really where, where does a business owner start that's trying to, you know, really develop a different way of finding customers and marketing? Yeah. A few things. One, again, to like, if you take one thing away from this conversation we're having strategy before tactics, like you are far better off taking two, three months, what, however much time it takes you to work through some of the strategic elements because the strategy is going to help you go faster in the long run. You may not feel that way when you're doing it and you're, you're like, I just want to take action. If you just jump in to take action, it's actually going to slow you down in the long term. Two, you have to think long term with marketing. Too many people think short term and they don't. Get, marketing is a marathon. It is not a sprint. Too many people jump into the tactics and they're like, I've been doing this for a month or two months or three months. It's not working. And they give up. They haven't given it enough time. So strategy before tactics, think long term. And the other thing, keep it simple. Very easy to overcomplicate marketing. It's very easy to feel like you have to be everywhere. In reality, the vast majority of small businesses, they don't need eight different marketing tactics. They need two or three. You're far better off going narrow and deep in those tactics than broad because most of us are going to fail miserably when we go broad because we just don't have the resources or the bandwidth to do it effectively so keep it simple focus on a few vehicles and give those vehicles time to work you know and outline what you're going to track within each of those vehicles to help you determine whether you're gaining traction or not makes perfect sense yeah i I love to keep it simple so and i know this is something you do so maybe you know as we kind of wrap up the conversation here you know how do you how do you help small businesses and companies effectively use marketing inside businesses um, Nathan, there are multiple ways that we can help. It really depends on where where they're at in their journey. You know, I mean, I the, our our highest end offerings are are center around high end strategy and outsourced or, or fractional chief marketing officer work, where people hire us part time to run their marketing and oversee it. But we can get involved from a from a coaching and an advisory standpoint to just help you work through some of this strategy yourself, you know, or we can do it for you. It just, it really depends on where you're at and where, what your budget is, but it's, you gotta, you gotta dig into strategy and it's not strategy. It takes a long time to get good at marketing strategy, but it is not, it, it is simple. Okay. But it's not easy, right? It takes work. When I think of things as easy, it's like, it's no work, right? You just, just do it. Simple means there's work, but the, the concepts they are they are simple. I mean, anybody can understand them when you start to when you have when you have somebody that can help you walk through it, a guide through the process. <laughs> yeah. So if uh, somebody wants to uh, contact you, find out more information, how you guide companies through this, how do they find you? Yeah, there's two. I'll, I'll give your audience two ways. 
One is our website, which is rialtomarketing.com. It's R-I-A-L-T-O marketing.com. You can connect with us there. Our podcast is there. All the links to our social, everything's there. The other thing I'll offer your audience is at revenueroadblockscorecard.com. And at revenueroadblockscorecard.com, we focus on nine revenue roadblocks that we help clients remove so they can accelerate growth. If you go there... You will get a, it's totally free. It takes less than five minutes and you will be able to identify which of the nine roadblocks are slowing down your growth. Super simple, tons of value. If you're interested in that, you can go check that out there as well. Excellent. We'll put both of those links uh, in our transcription to this podcast so that uh, you can quickly get them. So, well, Tim, it's been a pleasure. I really appreciate the insights. And, um, you know, as we've gone through in our company, you know, looking at strategy and the marketing and the authority marketing, you know, it's uh, definitely made a difference for us to kind of step back. And, um, you know, meeting you has been, yeah, I think really interesting for us because the way that you contacted us and and uh, this whole process um, has you know shed a light on things that we could do better uh, as a company too so again thank you for the time and really appreciate you being here tim thanks for having me it was a pleasure 